0: Good morning. good morning. Good morning. Okay, there we go. It's good to be here with you this morning. I'm Delton. I'm one of the deacons here. and uh, as Joel mentioned, Pastor Nathaniel is traveling. He's getting back from Rio. He'll be here for the meeting this afternoon, so he asked if I would share the word. And this is something that has been on my heart to do uh, since I spoke. I think the last time I spoke was in March uh, back. Uh, in just as all of the COVID situation was developing and everything, uh, we were going into our situation that we were with Caleb. And so uh, God had spoke to my heart about a number of things. And when Nathaniel asked me to speak, I knew right away what I would want to be sharing about with you this morning. If you had the opportunity to be a fly on the wall in our house uh, observing the whole family inside of their home, it wouldn't be very long until you would observe an interaction that probably happens close to 100 times in a day and happens probably in each one of our homes. And that is when a parent, Fernie and I in this case, calls out the name of one of our children who might be in another part of the home. Naomi, Joshua, etc. And so the parent calls out the name Of the child, and it's fascinating how that one simple act can generate a hundred different feelings and reactions in the child, right? Different reactions that can come in that situation. The first one um, that I'll mention here, I'll call the no answer, right? So the parent calls the child, and there's just silence. This never happens in our house, by the way. This, this doesn't have. I have to say that because my kids are here right now. They weren't here in the first service. No answer. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve has been chaining Sunday school children in the church for years and years about the no answer, right? Because when God called Adam and Eve in the garden and they didn't answer, that was exactly what was going on. And then there's other answers that can come as well. Uh, Creativity starts to get really active in this moment. So instead of the no answer, there can be the whispered answer. And so the child, yes, mom. And you're like, did I hear something? And then, well, I answered you. You just didn't hear me, right? So that can happen as well. Um, Other ones, I'm busy, in a little bit. Or this is a good one, call so-and-so and insert the name of the favorite brother or sister that they want to pick on that day instead of talking to me. Which then generates a different one, because sometimes when you call a child's name, a brother or sister can sort of, in an anticipatory move, say, oh, they're over so-and-so, so so that I don't get called instead of the place of the child. And even parents get trained by this, right? Um, Parents end up calling out a little bit louder each time, maybe, to make sure that the child actually hears. Think about yourself. When your name was called by your parent, what what sort of feelings did that generate for you? And how is it that a simple calling of a name can generate all those different kinds of reactions. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we don't like to have our days, our plans, our activities interrupted by something someone else calling us. And so I'm gonna gonna go to Genesis today. We're gonna go to Genesis 22, and we're gonna look at the story of Abraham and Isaac And we're going to see a moment when Abraham is called by his father. And if you're here this morning and if you're alive, uh, it doesn't matter uh, your relationship with God or not. All of us are children and all of us has a father that in different points in our lives calls our name. And as we read through, what what do I want you to focus on? As we read through, I want you to try to pick out what are the attitudes that Abraham shows in response to his name being called. What are we going to learn here about from Abraham? So Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abram got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up. He said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. In our reading, we're going to pick it up a little bit later. But I want to go back to the beginning of this story where God calls Abraham's name and he simply says, Here I am. He has no idea what God is going to ask him. But it's a sweet thing when a parent calls to a child and the, the child answers and says, Here I am, I'm available, I'm ready, whatever you need. I'm going to be able to respond. And so this idea of Abraham responding and saying, here I am, it's a little bit of an aside, but I want to think about this together because it's going to set up these attitudes that Abraham is going to show uh, later on. Because Abraham, he's in this... He's in a time and a place where he is getting to know God. And he didn't have the word of God like we have it here today to know and have all of the theology developed. He's learning about who this God is. What is this God like? And he says, here I am. And I think about the question, why are you here? Why am I here? That's the most basic question For all of us to answer, why are you here? Why am I here? The catechisms that have been used by the church throughout the centuries start with that question. The Westminster Catechism, the very first question is, what is the chief end of man? Does anybody know the answer to that question? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Why am I here? Why am I here? What is my point? What is my place? Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Jesus said in the New Testament, the first and greatest commandment is this. Number one, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. You are here. I am here for God. So let's get back to the story now. And God calls, Abram answers, and then God says this. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. That's quite a request. And God knows what he's asking of Isaac here, of Abram here, doesn't he? Because he repeats this. He goes through and he hits each one of these things. And this, this simple interaction of a father calling a child just got really, really deep. This son was the son of the promise. This son was miraculously born in Abraham's old age. That son was in that other moment of great faith when Sarah was told that she would have a child, Abraham's wife, and she laughed. Abraham did not laugh. He believed in faith. And this son was promised to be the father of many nations. And yes, God says, that one, that son, I want you to sacrifice. God will call us to love him first before everything else in our lives, whether it's just the simple my day-to-day interactions, my environment, the things that are around me, my possessions, or whether it's a little bit deeper to loving him more than others. Abraham loved his son, and God was asking him for this. Or yourself, your plans, your goals, your desires. God, because of the very nature of who he is, is in the place, the authority to be able to ask that of each one of us and so how did Abraham react to this what sort of whiplash was he going through in the middle of that moment it's probably important to note right here at this point that a reaction that you and i can have with our 21st century minds is perhaps not a reaction that abram had because we're dealing with a situation where god tells him to sacrifice his own son and we react against that but we have to remember That in that time, in that culture, this was what God's deities did. Child sacrifice was common. This was seen as what deities required of their followers. And so God comes to Abraham and he says this to him. He asked this of him. And perhaps there was a disappointment. Remember I said that Abraham is still getting to know who is this God. And I'm sure there was a deep sadness... But perhaps there wasn't a reaction against it quite the way we might think about it now. At any rate, we're going to see Abram act. And I said that I'd talk about the attitudes that he shows. And so the first attitude that I would say, if you're taking notes, that you can just write down, is surrender and obedience. When There's another story in the Bible when God said that he was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And... In that moment, he tells Abraham about it, and Abraham starts negotiating with God, you know, and we, we look at this courage of Abraham in this moment. How did he have the courage to negotiate with God? If there's 15 good people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you not destroy it? And God says yes, and then he says 10, and then he says five, and then you see Abraham himself even run out of courage in that moment because he doesn't keep haggling God down anymore. He doesn't keep negotiating him down anymore. But have you ever thought about it? Why didn't Abraham negotiate with God in this situation? God gives him the command, and as far as we can tell, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't question God. Abraham seems to show here this ability to hear God's voice, this certainty about what he's hearing, about what he's being asked to do. And I ask myself, do I know God's voice that well? Do I have that clarity to be able to hear God's voice the way Abraham Abraham did right here in this situation? And so Abraham doesn't hesitate. He drops everything he's doing. We see him prepare. We see obedience in his preparation. He separates what he needs. He gets provision. He doesn't go alone. He takes other people with him. He's provided for. He's going to deal with any traffic problems on the way. He even gets the wood that he's going to use for the sacrifice. Uh, Most of you know that I'm Canadian, and I'm not just Canadian. I grew up in a part of Canada that was pretty far north, and I'm probably one of the few people in the room who has actually included wood in travel preparation for certain kinds of travels. And so what goes into that? You think about, well, where am I going? What, what's the season? Is the wood going to be wet? Is it going to be rotten? Am I going to be able to get the good thing, in, you know, the wood that you need in this situation? And because wood is heavy, you usually decide not to take your own wood along with you. You might take a little bit of kindling or something like that. But he did. Because when you take your own wood along with you, you know that you're guaranteed to have a good fire. If I was Abraham in this situation, I'd be hoping that there wasn't a good fire, that this wouldn't work out well as far as having this fire. That was not his reaction. Verse three says that early the next morning, he starts his journey, he doesn't head it. He got up early. He went out on this journey. How many of us push things off sometimes because I just want to sleep in a little bit more tomorrow morning, and so I can go at 8 or 9 o'clock, and then, you know, we hit the traffic that everybody else is stuck in? No, he started early. He would have made it out of Sao Paulo before the traffic hit if if he was doing it. But he goes on this journey. How I wish that sometimes the journey wasn't part of the story. Because God could have said, take your son, your only son, and tomorrow morning here, I want you to sacrifice him, and we could have just gotten right to the end of the story. But remember what it says at the beginning. God is proving Abraham. He knows what Abraham is capable of, But perhaps Abram doesn't know and needs to know this. And also because the journey that we go on and the journeys that God asks us to go on, they change us and they make us different kinds of people. In the last four or five months or so, uh, I have this crazy friend here from church. uh, And I won't say his name, but there's not too many people from Ireland, right? And the Irish, that already makes you get curious about what's going to happen in this story. So, so he's been taking me, getting me, convincing me to go out and exercise. And uh, so, all right, uh, I sort of, you know, dumbly, without really considering this, agreed to go exercise. And I joked with him in the first few weeks that I unfriended him like three different times in that process. Because it's not just exercise. It's not just let's go out and repeat what we did the last time. It's do a little bit more this time. Run a little bit farther. Do an extra push-up. Do an extra pull-up. And all of a sudden, as we go through that, I'm doing things, exercising, accomplishing goals that I didn't know that I was capable of and that even has been created by that process of going through that journey. The journeys are hard. The journeys are hard. And when I say how I wish that the journeys weren't included, there's a part of me that really wishes that. And then there's a part of me that even celebrates the journeys and understands the journeys and sees the result of the journey and sees why the journeys are important. So, what is this faith? What is this faith that Abraham has? Who is it in? Verse 2, God says to Abraham, to go to a mountain, I will show you. And this phrase is probably almost routine to Abraham by now. This was the exact phrase that God used with him when he first introduced himself to Abraham all those years ago and called him to a new place, to a new country. But Abraham gets this phrase again. And the Bible is rife with stories of men who responded well in the first call, but later on in their lives stumbled. You could just look at uh, Saul, David, Solomon. They all responded well, and then they had key moments later on where they stumbled. Go to the place that I will show you. Go to the place that I will show you. And that I makes all the difference, doesn't it? I, Delton, can go anywhere if... I, God, is with me. Think back to, if you've walked with God, if what I'm saying is making sense to you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, to how he tested you, how he called you, how you came to know him, and all the ways that he's asked you to come to him along the way, to follow him, to journey with him. Has he ever let you down? Has he ever not rewarded you when you responded with obedience. There's obedience, and I started to talk about faith in the middle of this, and so really faith is the second attitude that I want to pull out and I want to focus on here in the middle of talking about this journey. There's a few other examples of it in here. If you look at the end of verse 5. When he arrives, Abraham arrives at the region, and in instruction to his servants, he says, wait here, the boy and I will come again to you. God had just said that he was to sacrifice his son, and he says, wait here, myself and the boy, we will come to you again. And in verse 8, when Isaac asks, where is the sacrifice? How would it have been to be in a dad right in that moment and hear your son, your child ask that? Where's the sacrifice? Where is the way out? And Abraham in that moment with that beautiful simplicity, he simply says, God himself will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. And I just think about how so oftentimes that can describe the different situations and things that we face in our lives because We can have circumstances on one side. There was an order from God. Abram's taking steps. He's made preparations. This is moving towards a sacrifice. And in our lives, situations, circumstances around us that say one thing, and yet Abram turns in faith and makes these declarations. Ephesians calls faith a shield. And I think sometimes we need to see faith as more of a shield, that we hold up, that it's between us and the situation that's out there that's speaking to us. And it is shielding us. What did God think about Abraham in this situation and how he's responding? Hebrews 11:17 through 19, if we step across the centuries, We're going to hear what God says in Hebrews about Abraham's faith. Starting in verse 17, chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. That's verse 19. That's in the scripture. Reasoned that God. Because sometimes, (laughs) when the situation around us is saying one thing, and we're standing there saying, no, but this, or speaking in faith, we can look maybe a little bit silly, or we can even feel a little bit foolish in that moment. Uh, I remember soon after coming to Brazil and starting work with the ministry at ABBA, where I work with, a situation where we were sort of in just such a situation. Lots of different things not looking good. And in this situation, our director, Thomas, sends out an email. And it was a hopeful, faith-filled email. And I, I read that, and I just responded to him right away. And I said, how can you say that? How can you say that with these things? And I expected that I would get a response maybe to the effect of, um, no, we just need to have faith. We just need to keep going on. But he didn't say that, and he wrote me back. Uh, And he said this. He said, Delton, our faith has an object. And when we think about who our object is, this God of the universe who has always been faithful to us, our faith makes sense In light of that, Abraham reasoned that God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You're not facing anything that is beyond what you are able to handle. In your situation as a human being, if, and here's where it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. We have faith. Abraham had faith because God is faithful. So there's obedience, there's faith gotten through the journey here with Abraham, and now we reach the breaking point. And just to mention, right, that obedience and that faith, it was reflected in Abram's life, but I think it was also reflected in Isaac's life as well. Isaac was probably 15 to 20 years old at this point. It's just Isaac and Abraham, son and father. And so if, Ethan, you were there in that moment and you've got Nathaniel, I bet you could take your dad at that point in time. Right? But we see that faith also acted out in Isaac's life. So we've seen Abraham act. And in that moment, then, God intervenes, and we get to see God act a little bit in this situation. He calls Abram twice, Abraham, Abraham. Can you imagine the difference of the reaction in that moment, then, compared to the first time? The first time, don't bother me, I'm, you know, involved in my day, maybe, et cetera, et cetera. That moment, hearing your name called by God is an incredible relief. And it's as though God steps into this situation. Remembering what I said earlier about this question of sacrifice being something expected of a deity. And God says in that moment, other gods are going to be that way. I am not like that. Other gods will ask you for the life of your child and will provide no way out. But I am different. And then what he says next was a great comfort uh, to myself and to Fernie as we walked through the cancer journey that we walked through with our son Caleb and he went home to be with the Lord in May because he says this, do not lay a hand on the boy, do not do anything to him. And what God just spoke to me in the middle of that situation was, you love your son, but my love for your son is infinitely beyond. So we can love our children, we can love our spouse, we can love our parents, our family, but ultimately God's love for them is so far beyond what we can imagine. And we see this in the insistence of these words. Do, don't, you, don't you dare lay a hand on him. Verse 12 continues, Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. That first phrase, now I know that you fear God. The the chapter starts saying that it's a test. And the result has been accomplished. It's been celebrated. And God knows, Abraham knows, Isaac knows how much he fears God. But then finishes with this phrase, Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Oh, the echoes of grace that are bound up in that phrase. And we see Abraham's final attitude here. I mentioned obedience. I mentioned faith. And I just want to mention worship. And I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, Would have been nice, wouldn't have it, if between the two bookends of Abraham, here I am, and Abraham, here I am, and God steps in says, you don't need to do the sacrifice, if it hadn't have needed a sacrifice. Think back to the story that I started with. I mentioned Adam and Eve. Why were they hiding in that moment? Because they had just disobeyed God, and they had just introduced, tainted their own lives with sin. And all of humanity and this problem that we live with that is sin that requires a sacrifice. And Abraham understands that. And he looks around and he sees that there's this ram. And he takes it and he sacrifices it in his son's Isaac's place. And he recognized this need for payment for sin. He is so grateful for the provision in that moment of that sacrifice, that he names the place the Lord will provide. And the symbolism here is just heavy. It's just drenched all over the story, probably more clearly than any other story in the Old Testament of Christ and what he did. At Caleb's memorial service uh, those few weeks ago, he, he had written out Uh, five things uh, before he went into his transplant. And we took each one of the five things that he had written down that he felt God was speaking to him. And the fifth one that Caleb wrote down were these words, the Lord will provide a way. And in these verses, verse 18, it says, God speaking to Abraham, all mankind would be blessed through him. And we know now that, what those words mean because thousands of years later when a little 10-year-old boy, Caleb writes and echoes the words of his father in the faith Abraham, the Lord will provide a way and God blesses Abraham and says because you have not withheld from me your son your only son we understand what has happened here because that with which God tested Abraham, he himself completed. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, his one and only Son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. God spared Abraham The sacrifice of his own son because he himself sacrificed his own son. And when Jesus climbed that hill, and it's understood by biblical scholars to be the same hill. And when Jesus climbed that hill with wood on his back, there was no substitutionary lamb in that moment, there was no lamb caught in the bushes to take Jesus' place. And the description of that story is that the universe shook because the unthinkable had just happened. A completely pure, sinless sacrifice had just been given out of God's deepest love for mankind. And that's a salvation that is offered to each one of us. And I wonder where you're at with that. Have you said yes to Jesus? Do you keep saying yes to him in the middle of the journeys? Do you answer when God calls your name with a here I am? I hope we do because when he paid that sacrifice for us and he saved us he introduced us to the father whose love is so unimaginable and will walk us through each one of the things that we will face in our lives this leads us into our time of communion And it's reflective, right? It's challenging for us to think about these things. Push all the stuff of our lives that pushes in on us for us to be able to reflect on that. So right now, I just invite you to do that. I invite you to bow your heads. I want to just give some moments of silence here right now. I want you to prepare your heart. I want you to talk to God. I believe he's been speaking here this morning and so I just want to be quiet and I want you to talk to him and I want you to deal with him with whatever it is that he has been saying to you through his word here. So let's just take a few minutes to do that.